0: If you're watching this channel, it's because you don't enjoy watching the world squander what Christendom built, and you want to do your part. Today I'd like to mention one means of doing just that. Email made by and for Catholics. Check out FIDE email. That's F-I-D-E-I dot email. Built for Catholic individuals, families, organizations, and groups. They're private, secure, and of course Catholic. God bless. You know, when I sat down to figure out what I was going to give you for Saturday, I was kind of concerned that there wasn't going to be any huge news. But then, don't worry, my fears were alleviated because we have a train wreck for you here today to talk about. (laughs) You know that concept that we've all talked about, how the Synodon's Synodality has had a predetermined outcome from the beginning? That participation in it was carefully curated at every single level to the point where their outcome for this has been decided. Remember how we've been saying that for like two years now? We've just gotten practically confirmation of that. And it comes in the form of really two things. W- one is this sort of confirmation from the laity, from a lay person writing over at America Magazine, about how the church isn't as divided on the synod as they thought because of their participation in the synod. You know, it's amazing. When you, go into a, when you spend too much time living in an echo chamber, you tend to think that the echo chamber chamber is real life. That's why it's a good idea to sometimes get offline, folks, and go talk to people in the real world, and you'll find out that the real world is not like whatever your chosen echo chamber is. But here's the second one. The second part of it, and my real main story today, is that um, Francis has revealed his list of chosen representatives for the Synod on Synodality, and I'm going to only focus on the representatives from the United States because I'm an American, but uh, the list is as bad as you think it's going to be. In fact, he honestly couldn't really get any worse because in light of his choosing of the uh, new prefect for the dicastery, the doctrine of the faith, which was what I was originally going to talk about for you today on Saturday, but we'll talk about that Monday or Tuesday instead. <laughs> the The state of the church is on full display for us because this list is fantabulous to just put it out there. So we got for this story. We go to Twitter and not threads, we go to Twitter, where Diane Montagna reports that Pope Francis has personally appointed as U.S. members of the October 2023 Synod on Synodality. This is the final stage of the Synod. And here we have Cardinal Blaise Cupich, Wilton Gregory, and Robert McElroy, as well as Father James Martin, as well as Cardinal O'Malley and Cardinal Etienne of Seattle, or Bishop Etienne of Seattle, are also named. I don't know much about Bishop Etienne of Seattle. Let me know if you are familiar with him, or if you, he's your or if he's your bishop up in Seattle. And let me know if he fits in with the rest of that crowd. But Pastor Jimmy Martin is one of the American representatives to the official synod on synodality, the final stage of it. And then, of course, McElroy, Supic, Cardinal Gregory, and I mean, this is just spectacular. This is what they think, Lord, folks. We are now, the gloves are off, the mask is off, we see what they really think. This outcome to represent Americans is predetermined. She includes here uh, an Italian language only release, which is where this comes from, which is even, makes this even better. So we're going to, for the full list of this, and I have to tell you, there's a uh, some of the, there's a... A few other delegates from America, uh, Bishop Daniel Ernest Flores is one of them. There's a few others who have been chosen, but the papal selections really show us something. They show us what the focus is, what the outcome is going to be. And these names aren't going to surprise anybody. But when you look at them again, McElroy, Supich, James Martin, what's the message? The message is there are certain topics that they want to be decided in certain ways. And James Martin and Wilton Gregory, especially, are like the mascots for the James Martin sin, we'll call it, that gets promoted in the church. That they want to have treated as normal, that the church should embrace and give some kind of blessing to. That is what we see here. That is the focus. Remember... You objecting to this makes you a schismatic, by the way, according to our betters in the mainline Novus Ordo apostate hierarchy, because that's what this is. When they tell us that the church got these sins wrong, the teachings, the moral teachings of the faith wrong for so many centuries, the church was wrong. There's apostasy and schism here. But is it with you who just want the same faith as your forebears? Or is it with them? These are questions nobody likes to ask because quite frankly it leads you down to a weird place. And you're going to find maybe this next part of this report really lonely. It is going to make you feel really lonely because here over at America magazine they publish a they publish a the testimony of a laywoman who participated in the synod. And they report the Catholics who participated in the synod are more united than ever and i want you to remember something all the polling data from pew research and other groups who really don't care really about what goes on in the church they say the same things if you attend that among weekly mass attenders at the typical parish meaning the novus ordo parish what you will find is that most of them disagree with the church's teachings on uh, the moloch ritual on the james Martin sin on humana vitae on all these issues They disagree with the church's teaching. And you have to wonder at what point do we start talking about who really has the faith and who doesn't. But what she's saying here in this article, and I'll give you a quote from it here in a second, that in her experience, there isn't that much division in the church. That most people are on the same page. Let's turn to it. So the article is has the headline, The Synod has taught me Catholics are not as divided as the skeptics thought. It's from Anna Rowlands. It was published actually just over a week ago, but now it's becoming so relevant in light of the elevation of these four cardinals, well, three cardinals and then Pastor Jimmy Martin, who I still think is going to be made a bishop someday, to be the American representatives at the Synod on Synodality. This is this author is American. After all, this is America magazine and their intended audience are American Catholics. You'll find this in the vestibule, this magazine, the print copy of it, often in the vestibule of many, many parishes, some of which are not the most uh, progressive parishes you'll ever encounter. So let's see what she has to say about unity in the church. Quote, I have since learned more about the church than I could have ever imagined. And the synod process has come to seem even more urgent and fruitful. Much of what I have learned has been surprising. In the early months of my involvement, several journalists said that the synod process would inevitably reveal a church divided culturally between Europe and Africa, divided between clergy and laity, and at war with itself over moral issues. I was told that participation was so low as to make the process meaningless, that the reports had probably all been pre-written, and the process would be either a sellout or a stitch-up. These were fairly dispiriting statements to take into the process I was preparing for, reading the Episcopal Conference reports as well as reflections produced by religious congregations, lay movements, and associations, plus the many individual submissions made to the Synod. If I were to talk to the same journalists now, I would tell them that their preconceptions were wrong. I came away from the process with a deeper sense of the profound and vulnerable questions raised by Synod participants. For some people, this was the first time they had spoken publicly about their hopes and fears for the Church. They felt a profound sense of dignity in contributing, but worried about whether they would really make any difference. In a culture that prizes certainty and opposition in political discourse, many people gave voice to their uncertainty and their desire for guidance and accompaniment, and for the communal spaces that would make reflecting together possible. One bishop compared the synod's method of spiritual conversation to a disarmament process, and another told me his diocese would never be the same again, a good thing. Many who participated in the synod spoke honestly about the difficulty of genuinely listening to someone you disagree with, or with whom you feel you have little in common beyond a baptismal identity. But it also became evident to me that the church is not divided in a culture conflict between continents. Many of the most significant tensions and cleavages lie between the neighbors, whose history shaped much of their ecclesial experience. The innovation of meeting at the level of the continent, something which Latin America now has long experienced, is one of the least mentioned but one of the most important aspects of the synod. Another discovery, the question of the status and participation of women, increased transparency in the church, and how to hold together love, mercy, and truth, and extending a welcome were not solely the concerns of the global north. These echoed from every corner of the Catholic world. It is true that some individual groups remain skeptical and even hostile toward the process. Others now wish they had more chances to become involved. It is also true, I think, that the most important group in the process so far are priests and bishops. This process will not properly be synodal unless they find a way to share their own experiences with trust with the wider people of God, and we need to understand more about why they have not done so already. End quote. In other words, there is a lot more unity than about this for those who participated. And I remember early on in the synodal process reporting on this that there were a lot of reports of traditional Catholics and just conservative Catholics in the Nova Sorda who wanted to participate in the Synod on Synodality, but were turned away. Often, they never received invitations. I can tell you for a fact that FSSP parishes oftentimes didn't get invitations to participate in the Synod on Synodality. That tradition-leaning parishes in the that offer the so the what had once been called the ordinary form of the Mass, but now is the unique and sole expression of the Roman Rite, according to Traditionus Custodus, they didn't get the invitations. Or if they did, they were hand-selected by the parish priest by the direction of their bishop. Many such cases. And the question I have for you is, do you believe her report? Or is her report best to be taken in the context of what I just described? That there is a that carefully hand-selected group of people who participated in this process, they have a great, much, great deal of agreement among themselves. They have no disagreement. That's how I take this. And the fact of the matter is, yes, there were some people who disagreed, neighbor-to-neighbor neighbor disagreement, sure, because it wasn't a perfect process. But it's kind of telling, isn't it, that the final documents that were issued from dioceses and from the, from the various national bishops' conferences and the continental congresses all said the same thing. They all wanted the ordination of women, the blessing of the James Martin pairings. They wanted all sorts of changes to the faith that amount to, frankly, the typical Catholic in the pew having a different understanding of morality than what the church has always taught, and that they're taking this to the synod on synodality, and if Diane Montana's report is to be believed and I tend to think it is, trustworthy, they're going to be led in the process by the cheerleaders from the episcopate and a probably future member of the episcopate, one Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church, by those who actually believe the same thing they do. You can't help but think this has been a predetermined outcome especially with Francis's hand-choosing of his closest allies in the Episcopate from the United States. If you're not, watch, if you're not from America and you're watching this, have you seen who, is being, who your representatives are? Are they cut from the same cloth as Pastor Jimmy Martin? The papal, the papal appointments from your, uh, your continent, if you're watching this somewhere in Europe or if you're watching this in South America, let me know if they're essentially the same kinds of bishops, in the comments, please, who they are and are they of the Jimmy Martin, Wilton Gregory types. So let me know in the comments and what you think of this in general. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So just sharing this on social media, that helps a ton too, is always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.